eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's C. Sparky Fiber, 1250 AM, The Fan in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our guy, Nathan Marzian. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. Of course, check out 1250amthefan.com for all the different interviews I do. Plus, if you are interested uh, in the uh, Fan and Kiss FM toy drive coming up November 27th through December 1st, if you go there right now, there is a link that'll take you right to uh, a donation page online. If you'd like to donate some money online, you can do that between now and December 1st. Uh, also on that page is a list of uh, toys that uh, Children's Wisconsin and Robinsons would prefer not to get, uh, like Nerf guns and, you know, violent type stuff uh, they're preferring uh, not to collect. So just a couple of things that they would prefer not to get, uh, but obviously new toys more than welcome. And again, we'll be out there. Uh, I will be specifically out there uh, from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday, the 27th of November, right after Thanksgiving uh, to December 1st, Oak Creek, Plains Farm and Fleet. Looking forward to seeing y'all out there on Ross and Avenue. All right, coming up on uh, today's Green and Growing podcast, we got to get into uh, obviously panic that is set in already for the Bucks fans, which amazes me. Uh, and then we also have to talk about a tweet that was uh, put out uh, by a huge Bucks fan, pretty knowledgeable Bucks fan, I'd say, about Adrian Griffin, and maybe he was the wrong hire for the Bucks. So we got to talk about that. And the new City Edition jerseys are out and. I laughed uh, pretty hard at the Bucks press release that was sent out with it and laughed even harder when I saw them tweeting about the stuff in the press release. Uh, so we'll have to talk about that too. All right. First, let's start out talking about this Bucks team who uh, pretty much got blown out, right? I, that's what I would say. Blown out by the Toronto Raptors and owned by the Toronto Raptors. Adrian Griffin's former team uh, just absolutely torched them. Now, part of this was the Raptors were kind of unconscious uh, from three early on in that game. And prior to this, that game against the Bucs, they weren't shooting the three ball all that well to begin with, but they caught fire in that game against the Bucs. Um, and there were other issues, right? Rebounding, huge, huge issue. Um, their ability to get to the rim at will, huge, huge issue uh, as well. Uh, and then obviously completing uh, the play at the rim too. It's interesting. I think the stats uh, I was looking at earlier, I think the Bucs, uh, right now are as far as shooting percentage at the rim are giving up the most points uh, in the NBA or the highest completion percentage or whatever you want to call it, field goal percentage uh, in the NBA uh, around the rim more so than anybody else, which probably shouldn't be all that surprising. But this is uh, some of this stuff has to do with the new defense that they're playing. And Brooke Lopez is no longer just hovering down there. Now he's out 
trying to guard guys uh, away from the rim, which is opening up everything underneath. And the only other guy you have that's capable of blocking shots is Giannis. You have nobody else. So I think this is all part of this defense that everybody should have known was coming here at some point. And obviously it'll get better, but I think that's kind of part of what's going on is that these guys are learning a new defense and where everybody's supposed to be. Yeah, it's definitely a learning thing. And I think some of it, they do need to tone back on the aggressive style defense a little bit because they don't like when, when, you know, Adrian Griffin, they, they had, they had the personnel to do that in Toronto. They had all these long athletic defenders that you could run that defense with and bring, you know, bring guys out and, and really pressure the defense. The Bucks don't quite have that. Their, their point of attack ball or point of attack defenders are getting beat off the dribble and, you know, again, you're not like it's not the best move to bring Brooke out like that. He's very much the best. He's best in drop coverage and he's best staying around the rim as much as he can. So, yeah, the defense has been a mess. And, you know, I mean, again, I like that that they did a little bit of that aggressive stuff. And I like that they aren't just doing the same thing over and over again. But it has been, you know, it, there, there's definitely moments where you see like, OK, like where does Brooke fit into this? And you know, this, this probably isn't something that you can continue to do all season long is this aggressive type defense because they just don't have the personnel for it. So I'm interested to see what they do with Brooke. I want, I want them to go to, you know, more drop coverage. And I know, I know we didn't want, but like we got sick of Bud doing drop coverage over and over again. I'm not saying to do it all the time, but when Brooke is out there and maybe you can just limit his minutes or whatever, but when he's out there, I, I mean, he, he is best in the drop coverage and it's hard for him to really be thriving defensively in other coverages um but yeah they they aren't giving up i think they're pretty good at num the number of shots they're giving up at the rim isn't very high right, right. it's low. but yep. the, but the percentage is insane because all the ones that they're giving up are super easy buckets because they're pulling brook away or you're pulling Giannis away and then you just have someone wide open down low they've had some broken coverages and blah 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 but yeah i'm i'm interested to see what they do i'm interested to see how they change it up and you know it's game four they're, they're learning stuff it's going to be a a process of, you know, changing the system, learning new things, new players, new personnel, everything. But yeah, so far it has not been, not been a uh, very intriguing. So this is the thing. So Brooke Lopez with the defensive bud wanted him to play was a defensive player of the year candidate, right? It was a dominant player inside was a force to be reckoned with. Adrian Griffin has come in and essentially neutered him. Um, and to help the other offense, we saw a series in the championship year where Bobby Portis didn't play an entire series because in Bud's mind, they he didn't fit into what they needed to do in that series. So Bobby Portis sat out. I'm going to have a hard time, folks, a hard time. When we get to the postseason, if Brooke Lopez is playing 15, 20 minutes a night because it doesn't work well in a matchup that you're facing in the postseason, like that is a huge, huge problem from that perspective because again you have no rim protectors if he's not out there and say okay we're gonna play Giannis at the five which Giannis does not want to do from my understanding and Bobby Bordas is gonna play the four you literally have Giannis out there well what is every team going to do whoever Giannis is guarding is gonna go out on the wing and bring him out with them and once he goes out with them it's a free-for-all for the rim at that point and it's going to create big big problems kind of going forward. And I agree with you, and I had not thought about it, but you're right. Longer, more athletic type guys. Now, they never really had a true center necessarily up until, what, last year, I guess. But for the most part, they really never had that true seven-footer, clogger-type guy that was just big and long and block shots and a typical 90s NBA center like Brooke Lopez is. And 
That leads to another issue. I don't know if it's an issue, but at some point, does Adrian Griffin go to John Horst and go, we can trade him. Like he, he's, he's not going to work in my defense. We can just move on. Is that conversation coming where Brooke Lopez is going to be the one that gets dealt off of this team because the coach doesn't know how to use them? Because that's where it looks like it's headed. What did he play last night? 19 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. I don't, I don't think he played a ton of minutes last night. Uh, and then know, at the he, start of the- he, yeah, he didn't. I don't remember the exact number, but I'll look it up. You're right. And then start the second half, he sends him out there and then pulls him and to put a Chris Middleton. And then the reasoning was, well, I didn't know he had more time left. Don't you talk to your coaches? Like they're on the bench with you. They, somebody should be able to tell him like going into halftime as they're walking in, somebody should be telling Adrian Griffin, Hey man, uh, just so you know, Mitz has five minutes left. Cool. Thanks. Somebody should have a relay to him. And so that should be somebody's job is to keep track of Middleton's minutes and let the coach know at the end of quarters uh, coming up on, you know, him only having a minute left, whatever you create a system of this is when you, you need to tell me what's going on. And if going into half, he had time left, somebody should have took it upon themselves to walk up to Adrian Griffin and tell him Adrian Griffin doesn't have time to be sitting here looking at the clock every two minutes to see how long Chris Middleton's been in the game. He's got other stuff going on. So I put that on the assistant coaches, but I put on Adrian Griffin panicking. I'll call it a panic move, panicking and going, Oh, I can play him. Cool. Let's just put him in right away. Then why, 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 why were you in a hurry? You could have had him run out there with a second. You didn't give you another score. And then the move you decided to make was to pull Brooke off the floor for Chris Middleton. Again, I, that type of stuff I question. And I, 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 I worry a little bit about, um, from, from that perspective. But again, if, if Brooke isn't a fit in this defense, then, I mean, I guess I understand why you take Brooke off the floor for Chris Middleton. That's going to be one of the main storylines this year is how does Brooke play in and do Brooke minutes really decrease? And if they really decrease, does Brooke at some point has to be traded or moved if he's not going to play? Yeah. And he, he only played 17 minutes last night. And yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree. Like if, if he isn't going to fit, you know, then at that point, yeah, it probably is best to trade him and, you know, try to get some type of maybe more mobile big or just a better defending big somehow and not better defending, but better, like better uh, perimeter defending. So I don't know. It's, it's a weird position to be in. And again, it's going to take time. It's going to take them testing things out seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. Let me ask you this. If they trade Brooke Lopez for a guy that's more mobile, you know, maybe a bigger version of Bobby Portis, but not the shot blocker, nothing like that, can they win a title with just Giannis being the only guy that, that can block shots? Because if Brooke Lopez doesn't fit, Robin Lopez definitely doesn't fit. So if one does, they might as just move both of them at that point. Can you win? Because we talked last year, because you and I both were kind of watching Kings basketball last year, about how they definitely needed a shot blocker because they couldn't figure out how to defend the rim with, with Sabonis and they didn't have anybody. So that's going to be the exact same situation the Bucks are going to be in if they can't figure out how to use the, the Lopez brothers. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. But, I mean, Giannis is a lot better defensively than Sabonis, so I yes. I definitely – and I, I don't want Giannis full-time center, but 
I am not as against it as you as you are. If that if they came to that, I wouldn't be like we are doomed. I would be like, okay, you know, I, I mean, they looked okay in the Giannis center minutes last night, from what I remember. Like they at least I don't know. Giannis has been really good defensively this year, which has been good to see. And just when he's in there, it their defensive rating's good, and he's been contesting a lot of stuff at the rim, and it just seems like his presence is felt. You know, even though he's not a center, it he feels like a center. So I. I'm definitely more okay with Giannis at the center than you are. And, you know, again, preferably not full-time, preferably it's more of a, okay, you know, maybe for five to 10 minutes, he's going to be at center because Brooke's on the bench and then you can bring Brooke back in and you have that full-time center. But I don't know. I, I would trust if they got, you know, again, someone, some, I don't know who it would be, but some type of more mobile, pretty, pretty tall player. And you're playing Giannis at center more. Like I would be more okay with that than you. I wouldn't love it, but I'd be more okay with it than you. All right, let, let's talk a little bit uh, about the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I try to get this guy on. Uh, Louis Zatzman, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, he writes up for the Bucks. Uh, he does some stuff for the Raptors, too, I guess. I said, so far this season, Lillard and Giannis have run 29 picks together, which ranks 61st among combos league-wide. Seems underused. We talked about that on the last podcast. By the end of the year, where do you want them ranked league-wide? Right now, 61. Uh <laughs> top five I mean in my opinion like that that to me is the most frustrating part so far like I expected some troubles defensively I expected okay it's a new system and you've got new personnel and you got to figure out how to get you know fit Dame in this whole thing and see how Brooke fits in this system and all that stuff like I I didn't expect them to to be great defensively and be locking teams down but I expected them to be very very good offensively I expect and I didn't necessarily expect it right away, and that's why I'm not completely panicking. But it's been uglier than I expected, even if I didn't expect it to be good right away. It's definitely been way uglier than any of us thought. And I just don't get why they don't run that more. And it seems like when they do, it works for the most part. You know, it's generating some good looks. This hasn't been perfect. You know, there's been some turnovers from it. Giannis needs to improve as a roller, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, it should be this the, the staple of this offense should be Damon Giannis high pick and roll. And it's like, they do it like a few times per game. And I just don't understand that. And I don't get why, you know, and I don't have a problem. It doesn't, I mean, there's going to be times where Giannis do, does something on his own. And I get that. Like Giannis is still Giannis. He still can drive to the rim at, at will. And there's going to be times where, no, he doesn't need to use Dame. And there's gonna be times where Dame can create his own shot and doesn't need to use Giannis, but they should be trying to use each other all the time. Like that should be the first thing that comes to mind when Dame gets the ball is, okay, Giannis comes set a screen. When Dame has the ball, Giannis should be going to set a screen. And it's just, and when Giannis gets the ball on the outside, he should be, okay, I'm looking for Dame. Like if, if someone's coming over to collapse at him a little bit, if he's in the post, all right, Dame's, on, Dame's at the top of the key, I'm giving him the ball. And it just doesn't feel like they have that connection yet. And I, I do believe it'll come. I'm, I'm Again, it's been four games. I'm not going to freak out. They had it a little bit in the first game where I think, Giannis kind of was more like, okay, get Dame the ball, get Dame the ball, especially down the stretch. It was like Giannis is setting screens and they're really doing what they needed to do. And that helped them win that game. But since then, it's been just inconsistent and it's been like, it just, yeah, it doesn't feel like they're kind of working off each other the way they should. It feels like they're both kind of playing their own game. And they also haven't been on the court a ton together. It seems like they're kind of staggering those two guys. So again, I'm, I'm waiting to see. I'm hoping that this is something that develops over the course of the season because we didn't see it a lot in preseason and we were like, okay, it might take a little bit of time. Maybe they're going to wait to really pull that out um, and that might just be the case. But if they're not doing it consistently by, you know, 
middle of the season, January, February, like then I'll be really, really confused because that should be – like that's basketball 101 is you have Damon Giannis. You run the high pick and roll to death. Like that's – and we – it frustrated me too because like that's what we wanted Chris and Giannis to do all the time. And right. there were stretches where they started to do it. They did it uh, during the finals down the stretch of those games and like in the playoffs of the, the 2021 playoffs. Down the stretch, they'd kind of consistently go to that and it worked. And yet like even, even Bud, like they just didn't go to that as much as you wanted them to. And so I, I'm hoping that this is different and I, I just hope that it eventually gets to a point where they're, they're just relying on that as their, their offense. I'm going to read some more of this because he's got a thread of tweets here. He wrote this piece on 538.com. If you want to go check it out called more NBA teams are using pick and roll hack. Lewis Atzman continues. And again, I try to get him on today. It was too short of notice this afternoon for him. Uh, so we'll try to get him on in the upcoming weeks. Uh, Zatzman says zero of those pick and rolls that they ran have included a spacer in each corner, which you can read about here is a big thing for efficient offense. When Lillard runs picks with other players, Giannis is most often spacing on the right wing, which does give him a little head of steam on the drive, but also allows less complex help schemes for defenses because he's not a shooting threat. When Lillard runs picks with Giannis, they are facing three times more drop and over possessions and blitzes. They're scoring super poorly in those sets. Last year, Lillard scored 1.094 PPC against drop and over as the handler, and Giannis 1.041 PPC against it as a screener. Why? Lillard has taken one, capital letters, pull up three in those situations, which he missed. He has to shoot more, but mostly the Bucs just need to run the set more. They're not emphasizing their strengths and then going away from them when it's not working. They've got to be more consistent. And then he goes on uh, to talk about uh, Brooke Lopez, what we were just talking about. And that one is why the Bucs should win big this award season at, at NBA.com, another piece uh, that he wrote. But your thoughts on what he says there about that pick and roll with Giannis and Dame so far. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all absolutely true. They're not running it enough. When they are, it feels like, yeah, Dame hasn't shot enough out of it. He hasn't been as aggressive as you want him to be. And again, there could be reasons for that. There could be, he's still just getting back to his, you know, we, we've mentioned many times, he's mentioned that he's not back to 100% game shape yet. Right. But still, it's like, I want to see him be more aggressive. And they both talked about how in their post game yesterday, I, I was reading stuff and it, it sounded like they kind of both were talking about how they're, kind of almost both being a little not unselfish, but just like they're both kind of trying to make everyone happy. And it's like, they're kind of like Dame's not taking shots that he should. And, you know, Giannis is kind of doing his own thing. And it's like, no, like, you know, let like Dame go, you know, you can shoot that. You can, you can just pull up at any point and, and no, like, it's fine. You know, you don't have to be trying to get everyone else involved and trying to, trying to make sure that, everyone else, everything else is working. Like there's times where you got to just do your, like, go, go shoot the ball, you know, come off a screen and, and pull. And it seems like they're not doing that enough. And they're just, again, they just don't seem in sync yet. That connection isn't there yet. And, you know, again, it, it hasn't been very long. So I don't think there's any reason to absolutely panic and be like, oh my God, they're doomed. But it's definitely frustrating to watch right now. And it's like, it, it just feels like you're watching two guys that it's like these guys should work perfectly together and you know that if they're used correctly they will but they're just not doing the things that you feel like they should be doing and it just seems so simple it's like run the pick and roll run the pick and roll run every time they're on the floor together like that should be the offense um and yeah it just isn't right now so we'll have to we'll have to see and just hope that it it picks up 
when this whole thing happened, Giannis talked about Damian Lillard needs to be Damian Lillard. Like there can't be any hesitancy. He's just got to be aggressive and be who he is. We don't want Damian Lillard to change who he is. And I was having a conversation with my sales guy, Shannon, today about all of this, a very knowledgeable Bucks guy. Uh, and we were going back and forth about it. And he just said the, what you just said, which is they both got to be more aggressive. They both have to be who they are and quit worrying about trying to make everybody else happy. And my point to him was, this is kind of the Miami Heat big three, right? When it's the whole, how many ways are we going to win? One, two, three, four. Uh, and it's, you know, LeBron and it's Bosch and it's Wade and it's was Wade's team. And now here comes LeBron and Bosch and neither one of them want to step on Dwayne's toes because they respected it as his team. This was his thing. And Dwayne Wade is like, dude, shoot the damn ball. Don't worry about me. Just go be LeBron James for God's sakes. Just stop. And that's, it literally got to the point of him kind of yelling at LeBron, telling him, just go do your thing. Quit worrying about me. That That's how this feels this is going to be. Now, I, I, I'm not saying Giannis will yell at Lillard or Lillard will yell at Giannis. I, I don't think anything like that. Maybe it's Adrian Griffin that has to yell at both of them and be like, yes, we have an offense. Understood. Yes, we would like you to run the sets that we're asking you to run. Absolutely. But if you have a mismatch and you feel you can get to where you need to get to to score the basketball, then go. That does not mean, Giannis, for you to hit a pull-up three at the beginning of a shot clock. However, let's not be crazy. But, you know, anybody else, feel free. Do what you got to do to score. And don't worry about everybody else. And that is, again, I don't want to harp on the Terry Sott stuff here. But, again, this is his offense, I think, that they're running. I guess I've never really had this clarified to me one way or the other. But I believe they're still running that offense that Sott's put in in training camp. So Stotts isn't there necessarily talking to Giannis, talking to Lillard, talking to these guys, telling them how he wants it run and what they should be doing in different situations. So now you're trying to run somebody else's offense. Lillard knows the offense, but as Lillard has stated, this is completely different. In Portland, I was the one making things happen. I was the one telling everybody where to go. I was commanding everything. That's not the situation he's in now. So he's trying to let this whole thing play out and not take over the situation. And if I'm Adrian Griffin... I go up to Damian Lillard and go, you know the offense better than we all do. And all of us. No, nobody knows the offense better than you do. You ran it for years. You take control and you tell everybody how you want them to run it. I would give him that much authority. And if Giannis doesn't like it, too bad. Th that's how this is going to go. He's going to run the offense. He's going to call the plays. And we're going to let him just kind of run the show here. And I think he'd be okay with it. And I think Giannis would be okay with it. And then let's see what happens because he knows the offense better than anybody else. I'm sorry. It just is what it is. And if there's a funk going on and there's something wrong and he knows what it is, just let him take it over and let him run the show. Just like you let a quarterback run a two minute offense and let them call plays a lot of times. Or back in the day with Peyton Manning with the Colts, Tom Moore was the offensive coordinator. Manning got freedom to do whatever he wanted. Up he went and away they went. And Tom Moore and him had an understanding of kind of what they wanted to run in different sets, four or five plays in different situations. And he would kind of pick what he wanted and go. Let Damian Lillard have that same quarterback that you would trust with a uh, with an NFL quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Manning or Brady or whatever, and let him kind of take over and do his thing, Nathan. Yeah, and I think that is kind of the, the challenge they're facing is like, Lillard thinks, yeah, it's Giannis's team, so I got to let Giannis kind of do what he wants. And Giannis is like, well, this is Dame's offense. I got to let Dame do what he wants. Yep. And Griffin's there, and he's his first-year coach. And they're just – they don't have that connection. They don't know what they're doing yet. And, I, yeah, I mean, I agree. And I don't I don't know who to put the blame. I don't know who to put – because I don't know who's deciding what to do. Like, I don't – if Giannis isn't – like, when Giannis isn't screening for Dame, I don't know if that's 
Giannis saying, I'm not screening for Dame and I'm going to do my own thing, or if it's Dame, not like Dame should be calling him over, or if Griffin should be telling them to do that, I don't know the dynamics there. So I can't really put that on anyone. All I know is I just need to see Dame with the ball in his hands more, bringing it up, them doing screens with, with Dame and Giannis, Dame and whoever, Dame and Brooke, I don't care. Just Dame needs to have that ball in his hands more, needs to be more assertive. I think Giannis needs to play more off ball. And, you know, and, and I think, yeah, I think with Dame, like, seems like even when he does have the ball in his hands, he's not, he hasn't been commanding much. He hasn't been like, you know, call like get, get a screen. I want a screen I and, and really moving guys around and doing stuff. It just kind of seems like they don't have any direction right now. And again, not sure who to blame on that, but the bottom line is they need to have that direction and they need to really just start to hammer down. All right, Dame, you are the lead ball handler. You're going to, you know, we're going to have a bunch of screens with you. You're going to be, um, you know, doing most of our, our, ball handling shot creation type of stuff as he should be and hope and then just kind of like hope everything falls into place as they as they kind of have that pecking order established and really know okay like this is what we're going to run we're going to do this and this and this works and blah blah blah. all right listening to the green and growing podcast right now don't forget like follow subscribe all those fun things that you do always stream these bad boys usually live on the odyssey sports youtube page like we are currently uh tonight here on thursday evening uh, so definitely want to make sure you do all those fun stuff there. And then on the Odyssey app, wherever you download your favorite podcast at, uh, also a way to do that uh, too. A couple comments uh, coming in. Uh, say hi. Says, seems like Giannis is second-guessing his move since Dame came to the team. Almost like he wants to play more structured because the team got better. He needs to run the show and kick it to the free guy when defense gets crowded. That has been a thing with me in game one. Remember I was screaming and yelling about that? Like, oh no, it was just me doing that podcast. Sorry him running into five people that's going to stop that has to stop like they cannot allow that to continue i get it when it's you and middleton's on the bench and they got nobody else around you and you're like screw it i'm going to do it myself fine but when lillard is out there and middleton is out there and you got guys around you that can score please don't do this one-on-five crap right that that's the thing that drives me nuts where he decides to put his head down like a bull and i'm going to run over everybody hopefully i don't get a charging call on me and i'm going to try and go do it those days don't have to be like that anymore, Nathan. And that's something that he's got to understand that, look, man, you can drive, but throw it and kick it because they're going to collapse on you every time. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. And, and again, this, this, I think will be something that hopefully Giannis is just able to realize over time. Like it's not something he's totally used to. It's not because he's used to needing to usually do that. He's used to needing to, Hey, I got to drive. I got to carry the load. I got to do all this. He doesn't need to be like that anymore. And it might take some time for him to realize that and to really be get comfortable with that. But that is the reality. And yeah, he like it when he's doing that, you're like, all right, you're not even like letting Dame make your life easier. You know, you're just making life difficult on yourself when you don't need to. Um, whereas, you know, before, yeah, when like you said, when, you know, if Middleton was out and it wasn't Dame out there, it's like you, you felt like he kind of had to do that. It's like you don't have to do that anymore. You're making things difficult on yourself for no reason. And so, yeah, and again, it's the same with when, you know, and that's what they're doing right now all together. They're making things more difficult than they need to be. You know, again, when Dame isn't calling for screens and and they're not doing that type of action and it's just kind of like they're kind of errant and they're not, they don't really have any direction, everything's just more difficult than it really needs to be. It's like, no, have some direction, use each other, move the ball, set screens, use the Damian's pick and roll. Like, it should be very easy to make this offense work. And again, just, just I've said it a hundred times, I'm just hoping that as the season goes along, they get better with it. They get more comfortable and we see better results. Let's move on to topic number two. Uh, and when we talk about 
Topic number two, uh, this comes from Archon14 on Twitter. If you follow him, uh, you know he's a very knowledgeable dude as far as uh, this stuff. Uh, and he tweets out, it's only four games in, but I feel pretty confident in saying that the Bucks and Giannis, if uh, it's to believe, made a very large error in hiring Adrian Griffin to the head coach's role. Uh, he goes on, before we even get to how the Bucks are playing, just some default assumptions I had coming in. My assumption coming in was that the hire was probably bad. Most first-time head coaches are not ready to take over a team with a short title contention window. The Bucs, as an organization, do not have time for Adrian Griffin to learn on the job. Every year that passes, their chances of winning a title are decreasing as Giannis moves further away from his physical peak and the supporting players' ages in their mid to late 30s. It was very worth noting that Adrian Griffin was over 14 prior to this Bucs hire and getting a head coaching job when interviewed. Source within the league, not affiliated with the Bucs, uh, described this to me as a pretty remarkably bad number. 14 times passed over and all 14 were wrong? Question mark. And then he goes over the stats uh, incident uh, with uh, Adrian Griffin, and there's all kinds of stuff. The thread is super long uh, and a, a lot of really good stuff, I think, from uh, him on Twitter again, at Archon14. Okay. I didn't really think about it from that perspective. I'll tell you that. Now, when we had the finalists, I remember you and I both had Adrian Griffin last of the finalists that were mentioned, right? Not, I don't think either one of us, well, I know neither one of us had him as one on our list or two on our list at this point. Uh, and they ended up hiring him. Nick Nurse won a title. Maybe not as player-friendly as Adrian Griffin, but still won the title as the guy, as the head coach of being a man in charge. Had a superstar in Kawhi Leonard coming into a new situation that had to kind of work himself in and do deal with all of that uh, and made it work and figured out how to uh, and how to finish it. Now, again, we can talk about whether or not this was the right hire or not, but I think it's a great point talking about the fact that you know, they do have a shorter window than say Oklahoma city that has everybody young, not getting paid a ton of money. Uh, and that window is huge. The bucks window is a lot shorter. If this hire is wrong, you've wasted a year or two or three of Giannis's career. If he's not the right guy and you don't know until you get much later into it, I'm not going to say he's right or wrong after just a, just a few games. So I'm not going to do that. But my, but his point is hiring a proven guy makes more sense for the veteran laden older team that this current team is having already won a championship i think it's a good point yeah i mean but it that's nothing new i mean when they hired him everyone was like i'm surprised they're hiring a first-year head coach and he's gonna you know that's that's definitely a question mark is just like okay you first year head coach on a team that is proven and is going to be like championship or bust like yeah that is obviously raises some some flat some red flags and you're just like okay that's something you're gonna have to watch and i mean yeah that thread was insightful and um, you know, all those points are valid, but I just, the, the, the main thing of it, it, I disagree with is that like, I'm not ready to be like, I really think this was a bad hire after four games. Like it's been four basketball games. I, agree. I am not, I'm not ready to declare that they made a huge mistake. They're setting their team back, you know, and he might, he, he may end up being right in the end. Like, I'm not saying that there's no chance that Griffin is the wrong hire, but I'm not ready to go there yet. Um, I'm going to give it some time. I tweeted yesterday. I'm going to give it at least until Christmas because when the Lillard trade happened, if I told you they're going to have some, some, you know, a rough four games to start or a rough two out of four games to start. And we're going to be all worried about this team. You'd laugh in my face and be like, why should we care about the October and November games? We have Damian Lillard. Like exactly. And, but in the moment, it's hard not to overreact. It's hard. And I know they look terrible. I'm not saying it's just been, Oh, they're two and two and they're fine. Like I get it. They've looked really bad. It has been, 
you know, I don't care if you're a little bit concerned, but to kind of just already be insinuating that, okay, this is a, this was a really bad hire and um, they made a huge mistake. I'm not ready to do that, but I do agree. I, I wish, you know, I didn't want Adrian Griffin because I was like, I want more, a more proven head coach. I want someone that I'm just more confident in um, and knowing that they can get the job done. And yeah, there's been concerning things and all that, but again, it's four basketball games and I just think there has to be some level of patience. Like we owe this team at least a month or two of just seeing how it plays out, seeing what happens. And, you know, if, if it ends up being the wrong choice, it was the wrong choice, but they made that call based on what they knew at the time, you know, and, and what Giannis wanted maybe or whatever. I don't know if that was true, but they made that call. Adrian Griffin met with players and they had all these meetings with different coaches. They made the decision for a reason, because they believed in this guy. If it ends up being wrong, it ends up being wrong. But I don't think there needs to be this rush to like call it out. Oh, look, he he sucks. We he's gonna be bad. He's a he's a disaster. Like if he's a, if he's a disaster, we'll see. You know. I, I, but for four games in, there's no need to be speculating on already. Like his his whole you know was this all just a huge mistake after four games? The other thing too is there was a report. Um, I don't know if Giannis said it or. Somebody heard or whatever that apparently Giannis wants to play for former players. Like he doesn't want to necessarily play for a guy that hasn't played in the league and have been a player. Now that's true. That limits really who you're going to interview one way or the other to a certain degree. And I'm not saying that he's wrong feeling that way. If that's the way he feels, I think a lot of players probably feel that way, probably in all sports. I, I would imagine baseball players would rather play for a guy that's played in the big leagues. I would imagine football players would rather play for a guy that's played in the national football league. That's gone through it. And NBA players probably most certainly want to play for a guy. And there's probably more former players in the NBA coaching than there is in the other sports. Well, baseball's probably got quite a few guys too. Uh, most of their guys probably are former baseball players, but from that perspective, uh, it does change things a little bit because oh he didn't play then you're not you're not playing and Boonholzer correct me if I'm wrong I don't believe he was never an NBA player uh, so to to have that feeling now after you just won an NBA championship if that's true uh, I don't know that's that's interesting if that's the reason why he ended up going with Adrian Griffin over a Nick Nurse and then who was the other guy that was in the running and who was Kenny who was Kenny Atkinson Kenny Atkinson yeah that was the other guy. and and there's a couple of things I don't. I don't want people to, cause I already see people like, oh, we never should have got rid of Bud. It's like, no, like that. Don't even start saying that it was time for Bud to go. This playoff stuff was a disaster. Like it there, nobody should be sitting here saying, man, I, we really shouldn't like that. That is such a ridiculous mindset to go into of like, they, they needed to keep Bud around. Cause it's, it based on what we saw, like there was no reason to keep him around anymore. And I'm not saying that our regular season floor wouldn't have been higher with Bud. It would have been like, I'm sure we'd be very successful in the regular season with Bud, but we care about the playoffs. That's what the only reason we fired Bud was because of the regular was because of the playoffs. Um, you know, I think when they fired Bud, people probably expected, Hey, they're going to win less games in the regular win fewer games in the regular season, because that was Bud's thing. He's very good in the regular season, but it, we don't care as much about that. These games, do not matter to us and they shouldn't matter to us nearly as much as it seems like they are to a lot of people. And I, I, I get very upset at them. Like I was, I was not happy at all watching that game last night, but I just try to have that perspective of it is the, it's, it's November 1st. There are, you know, literally six months left of the season before the playoffs start. Like we have so much time to figure this thing out. We were, you know, we started, what was it? Eight, nine and oh last year. And, you know, then fall apart when it matters. And we started so well in that 2019 season, fell apart in the bubble. We started so well in 2018 and fell apart in the Easter Conference Finals. 
it, like we of all fan bases should know that this is not the time to be, you know, that, that you should really be focusing on and, oh, we need to be playing our best right now and we should look great right now. And obviously it looks terrible and I want it to look better. You know, you want to be playing well, but it, if it's not there, you know, you, we should have that, that patience to know that, okay, hopefully there's greater things down the road. Hopefully they get better for the more important time of the year. And so it just, some of it's been frustrating to see how quickly people have just kind of jumped out off ship and just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm panicked. You can be a little worried because of how bad it's looked. I'm not at all saying that nobody should be, have any level of worry or concern at all. But anyone that's like really hitting the panic button, it's like, okay, it's four games. I, I calm down a little bit. No doubt about it. Totally agree with you. All right, let's go and, on. Sorry, real quick. I wanted, I just want to mention there were two stats that I found last night that eased my mind a little bit. One is that the Nuggets started two and two last season, and both of those losses were 20 plus point blowouts. So they didn't look very good to start the season. And that was without having a first year head coach. So there was even less of a reason to start bad. And then the Bucks in the year they won the title started two and three. And I think they started like 11 and nine too. Like they, you know, they brought Drew in, didn't look fantastic right away. Um, had a 20 point blowout to the Knicks and gave up 130 early in that season. Like this stuff happens. You know, you watch any team, the, the Nuggets just lost by 20 last night too. You watch any team throughout the season, there's going to be some really ugly stretches and ugly nights. The Nuggets even late in the season last year started playing really poorly. I think they had a stretch where they were like 500 over like 10 games. I could be wrong on that, but that's what I remember is they had a, a pretty bad stretch and they still won the title. Like it's a, it's a marathon. This isn't something that you're going to look good for 82 games and you're going to be just flowing from start to finish. Like it's, it's not always going to be that way. There's going to be plenty of nights where teams torch us from three and there's going to be nights where we torch other teams from three. And, you know, you just hope that they're playing their best at the right time and they get better throughout the season. All right. I agree with you on that. Let's move on to the last topic. Uh, this is a little bit more lighter, a little bit more fun topic. And again, if uh, uh, you're checking out Green and Growing, make sure to like, subscribe, follow all that fun stuff uh, that you do for all the other podcasts. Do it for Green and Growing as well. Listen to us on the Odyssey app or if you download your favorite podcast app. Uh, the City Edition Bucks jerseys uh, were put out today. And if you haven't seen them, uh, they are blue. Uh, they are got some speckles uh, to them, like little white dots or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's got a arch that goes from left to right. I actually would be, well, yeah, if you're looking at it on the floor, like the press release is left to right. So I guess it's right to left uh, on the actual jersey when you're wearing it. And it's got Milwaukee going through it. It's white. Uh, the numbers are blocked uh, on the front as well. The jersey pant, uh, shorts are blue with a speckle. Uh, then two like mint colored green lines uh, with the blue Bucks Wisconsin logo on the corner of the shorts. I am going to tell you that most organizations pay quite a bit of money uh, to have people design their logos, to have people design their jerseys, the whole deal. The thing that cracks me up about all of this and has forever is how we have to come up with a story for every little element of a dumb jersey. Like it's a jersey. Who cares? This is a new city of Jer uh, city edition jersey, right? Uh, it's blue. Giannis plays for Greece, blue and white, uh, like Michigan. Yeah, that's why it's blue. Sure, we'll go with it. But but, but but no. Did you see the explanation of this jersey yet, Marzian? I saw some of it. I saw like this, two. Yeah. This is so stupid. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to read. And again, you pay a lot of money, so you go with whatever they give you, I guess, right? So the blue is Great Lakes blue, okay? Uh, complemented by an additional lighter blue that is incorporated into the abstract speckle pattern used on the base of the uniform. Now get this, buckle in. 
The speckle pattern was created from an image, I mean, it's a picture, of the masses of people who gathered in the Deer District during, during Game 6 of the 2021 NBA Finals. And it serves as an abstract representation of the fans worldwide who come together to celebrate the Bucks throughout the year. So, this is what it tells you. When you get your Bucks jersey, the City Edition, John, see which speckle you are on the jersey and then circle it for all of your friends and go, this is me right here. This little speckle, the picture they took, I'm this speckle right here. I'm actually in the Bucks jersey from the picture they took to make the speckling. You've got to be kidding me. They went on Twitter today and did ju- they took they took the picture from the, the thing. They took the speckling of the jersey and overlaid it onto like the fans to show that, that, oh yeah, that's really what we did, right? So which speckle are you on the Bucks jersey? They could do that for a contest. Uh, the front of the uniform showcases a uniquely curved banner. Now, okay, Marzian, do you know what the curved banner represents? Can you can you tell me that one? The curved banner? Yeah, yeah. So it's you know it's the it's oh it's that the, front part of it. Yeah, where the Milwaukee um, is, it's white. Yeah. right. It goes from one side to the other. No, I didn't. I didn't see what that represented. No, that 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 was inspired by the architecture of the stadium of Pfizer Forum. That's that's how they came up with that design. They looked at Pfizer Forum and said, yeah. We should, we should do an arch like that on our uniform. No, you didn't. Stop. Uh, the front banner extends down one side of the uniform onto the shorts to complete the style. The bold green accent color seen on the jersey trim and shorts was inspired by what, Nathan Marzian? What do you think the green is inspired by? Deer. By the electric atmosphere that Bucks fans bring to Pfizer Forum from every game. Come on, man. Get out of here. This is just all nonsense. I, I had to I had to make fun of them because it's just so dumb. It really is. Like who who really looks at this crap on Twitter and social media with their explanation of all this and goes, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I get down with that. I mean, okay, you went to the cream colors. You said it was for the cream, cream brick buildings. Oh, the cream city. I don't remember how old I was when that happened. I never once in my life ever heard it called the cream city in my entire life. Milwaukee reference as the cream city. Now, again, I grew up in Kenosha, not in Milwaukee. So that's fine. The cream city brick or whatever else in the buildings. Okay, fine. I'll get down with that. I'm fine. Okay. I get it. When they introduced the blue into the palette color, when they started this, they said it was for Lake Michigan and the rivers of the three rivers, right? So that was, that was part of it as well. And they went through and they described every single color and why they did it and so forth. But this is just getting more ridiculous as we go here. Just just stop. Please, can we just stop with all these stump things? Like, this is City Edition jersey. This is what we decided to do. Like, does every City Edition jersey have some dumb story that goes along with it? Like, is this mandated by the NBA? If we're going to have 10 million jerseys every year, we have to have a story for every freaking jersey, Nathan? I think a lot of them do. I don't hate this one. I didn't know about this. I don't hate the whole, like... That's a picture of the Deer District thing because it does kind of make you say, okay, I can kind of see that in the jersey a little bit and like the Pfizer form thing a little bit. I don't love it. Like, I and overall, the jersey to me is like, it's fine. It's it's not terrible. There's it looks like plenty a worse. Greece jersey. It's blue and white. That's what I don't it looks like, like. I don't like the blue. Like, I hate that they chose blue. I wish that it was a, like green or something or just not blue. I hate that they kind of s- seem to be latching See, my the girl. Blue. My girl loves blue. That's her favorite color. So she's super excited about the jerseys because she loves blue. Like I like I'm the color you. blue. I like the color blue, but it's not bucks. Like the yes. bucks are not blue. And no, it was so, yellow. yeah, like I liked when they brought back the purple, you know, for, for the throwback. Yeah. Cause that was like, that's a throwback that we used to be the bucks, blah, blah, blah. The blue is, should always be to me more of a tertiary color and like just, 
you know, maybe the outline is blue or like the trimming mm-hmm. is blue. Sure. And that's how they originally had it was, you know, when they came out with those first jerseys, like they had one little patch on the on the side was blue, mm-hmm. but that was pretty much it. They didn't blue was not prominent. They kind of seem to try to they want to make blue prominent every year. And like if this jersey was green or something, I I think I'd like it a lot. Like I think I'd be much more into it. I don't love that it's blue, but the design isn't terrible. And, you know, the, you know, again, when you mentioned the, the picture, that being the deer district and everything like that kind of is like, okay, that's kind of cool. I wouldn't buy it, but you know, or for that reason, I'm not like, Oh, I have to go buy it now because that's a cool backstory of the Jersey. But, um, I don't hate it. It's like a six out of 10 to me. I don't mind the Jersey, how it looks. I'm just making fun of the dumb story they came up with to justify what they did to the Jersey. That's all. I'm just making fun of the bucks. It's just, and again, like I said, I bet you every NBA team has some dumb story about why their city edition jerseys are what they are. And this was part of the selling point for the NBA, who I'm sure told them, hey, look, we're going to have a million jerseys. So we need to have stories of why this jersey is more unique than the other jersey, one way or the other. And then think about it. The cream jerseys, they can't even wear anymore. That is the most dumb thing in the entire world. On top of it, they weren't even allowed to wear them in the NBA anymore. I, I, I just... That whole thing drives me nuts. Uh, he is Nathan Marzian. Follow him on Twitter. He doesn't drive me nuts. Uh, at Nathan Marzian. You can follow me uh, at Sparky Radio. That'll do it for another edition of Green and Growing. Uh, always follow on Twitter at Nathan Marzian or at Sparky Radio because we decided to do a post game one night. That's where you're going to hear about it. And then we'll live stream it uh, on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. I normally will put a link up as well. Had a bunch of people join us the last time. So uh, hopefully we'll do that again uh, coming up uh, in the meantime. Uh, We'll be back recording again Monday night uh, unless we decide to do it a different time. But otherwise, usually Tuesday and Friday mornings when you can find this great podcast, Green and Growing, downloading your Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Have a good one. Toodles. 